This is a yelling podcast. From poking at you to plans and everything in between, this is Magnified Pod, the only podcast that discusses culture, religion, politics, and the entire discography of everyone's favorite Left Coast Punks, MXPX. And we're back. John, today we have a very special guest. On the pod, we have Daniel Leary of MXPX Memes fame, the meme master himself, or not MXPX memes if you want to get your punk rock memes that are not in the MXPX vein. Mm -hmm. You can find him there on Instagram or on Twitter. And Daniel is his real world name, and we're happy to have him on the pod. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So first, we want to talk about um, the memes. We can get Uh into the history of you and when you discover the band. But I first want to, because that is how I first came into contact with you, was seeing the memes. Mm -hmm. So did you, before you started doing any of the MXPX memes... Was this something that you were doing for doing fun? Doing for other stuff? Doing for other stuff? But how how no. did you start doing the MXPX memes? I, well, as far as, like, doing memes before this account, like, I really didn't do much of anything in that. I, there was lots of, like, fits and starts over the years, and, like, I have, like, abandoned Tumblr pages that won't be spoken of and stuff like that. Just <laughs> things I, like, lost interest in. Sure. Because I didn't have a driving force for it. And then as far as in, uh, liking memes, it was just, you know, I was just like anybody else, just like something goes viral and it's a Twitter moment. And now I know that it's a meme that's out there in the world, or I kind of see people reposting it, but it's really because of MXPX memes that I like constantly trying to figure out trending memes and things that I can use for the band. But yeah, it was really, it was really just, this was, this was sort of an anomalous thing in my life. Like I didn't exactly, I kind of like a year ago, I kind of thought to myself, it would be fun to have a meme page that was dedicated specifically to one band. And I didn't know at that moment it was going to be MXPX, but that's what it ended up becoming. So yeah. And, and now I'm like more a fan of MXPX because of this account. And I'm also more entrenched in meme culture, or at least more aware of it. Mm-hmm. and more aware of things that happen, you know, in that world, that community or whatever. <laughs> so, the meme community. The meme, yeah, which the, it is. The meme community is something I've looked into now, and it's something I don't really want to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what have, you, like, what have you discovered? What, what dark paths have you gone down? A lot of Pepe's yeah, out there. It's basically, because it's basically like the... the the bastard child of the bastard child of 4chan like that's Ugh. really what meme culture is like mm-hmm. that's where memes more or less began right so right. Like, you start looking into like you know places where memes begin nowadays and i'm like i'll just stick to instagram and try to find people who are you know up on the latest trends there and then even doing that sometimes i still find like upsetting shit like you know like there's one thing when it's like racist memes or something but then yeah. sometimes it's like actually like disturbing like yeah. upsetting stuff <laughs> yeah that's and that's also probably something that mxpx 
wouldn't want associated with the band anyway. <laughs> Probably not. So yeah. yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't think Mike would appreciate no. you posting some spicy Pepe MXPX memes. <laughs> uh, follow up: How great did it feel when he clearly was thinking mainly of you on the latest podcast <laughs> stuff when he was talking about all the additional MXPX content out there? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. I actually, I guess, so if anyone hasn't heard it. Mike was on his podcast and he's talking about, and he says about all how like the community online has started to really, you know, bounce back like it used to be years ago. And he says, but back then there wasn't all the, and then he stops and says additional content <laughs> or additional fan content. I'm like, he was about to say memes. I think he was going to say magnified pod casts, <laughs> yeah. but that's fine. He might've said memes. And then he, yeah. And then he mentioned memes and, and I guess he's, thinking about me but also now like um like there was one other mxpx memes account before me i think he was actually just a couple weeks or a month or two before me and his name's josh and i've actually met him in real life like he's way younger than me he's like just in college now and um sometimes i felt bad that i like stole his thunder but i didn't know about his account when i started mine (laughs) yeah yeah, so now i've met him in real life so it's not like it's not a there's no beef there's no like secret beef no see yeah see this is what I mean, John and I have alluded to this in the past. Like, you know, we, there need be not any MXPX related beefs in terms of right. content. Like we're, we're all out here trying to cr- generate content from a band that's important to us. Not, not because we need to start a flame war, which is probably a term that hasn't been used since like 2003. But, right. um, so I, I need to I need to say this on the record because for people I would like there to be some sort of study about people who do memes because the way your brain works <laughs> you are so quick and it and it really it actually legitimately impresses me how quick and sharp you are and and how you can generate new content so quickly off of new um, MXPX stuff. How does, so what is your, what is your pro and I, we'll get into the music and other stuff later, but I, I'm genuinely interested in how you, how will your brain works and how do you have like a reservoir of stuff that you know you want to memify or yeah. is, or do you feel inspired when you see something new and you're like, Oh, I'll just dig into the recesses and that's or do you go based off a new meme template that you're seeing uh i pretty much uh, well thank you first of all but (laughs) i uh yeah i pretty much go off of any direction that i can think of something and and i started this back in november and i only had a handful of ideas when i started out and originally i thought i'd be out of ideas by like two months pretty much (laughs) and it's just all started to kind of snowball and and i i'm not saying i won't ever run out of ideas but um yeah it's like well as long as there are new memes you won't because the 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 life cycle of a meme or you know it's it's really short you know john and i were actually joking before we called uh before we started this uh call with you you know, we we were just sort of joking. We were we were calling you "Damn Daniel," just oh, yeah. <laughs> and like that meme seems positively ancient at this point. Right. Yeah. But 
so only like a two years old or something. N- not e- not even. Is it that right. old? I don't. But, I think it might be about two years. But yeah, I remember that. Luckily, that's only like maybe the third time in my life someone has referenced that directly to me, and so <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't become like a major yeah. ongoing theme in my life. And maybe if I was younger, maybe if I was actually the the age of kids who really look at memes, it would be a problem. But um, one thing that's kind of, that, as far as my philosophy with this account, is like I can jump on a trending meme and try to figure out the MXPX connection, whether that's like connecting it to some cover art or connecting it to lyrics or some other sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if there's what they call now a dead meme, that's like, like um, like when uh, Ugandan Knuckles suddenly takes over the internet, and then everyone's completely over it. Like two days later, right. that becomes a, that's like now a dead meme. I can wait a couple of weeks, and then just pop. I just I I feel like since it's MXPX specific, like people are really looking for the MXPX angle to it. They're not sure. too concerned with whether or not it's like a hot trending meme. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm not, yeah. So I, I specifically have also gone back and tried to find like every previous pop meme and tried to come up with the MXPX version of that. And to answer your question earlier, like sometimes I start with a song or I start with an album or I start with some like picture of the band or like looking at a cover art and I'm like, how can I just like do something funny and weird with this? And sometimes I search around looking for something and sometimes an idea immediately clicks. And I recently tweeted that I realized I've given myself MXPX um, apophenia, where you like see patterns and things <laughs> like that. Tend- so I'm like, so now I just see something and I'm like, how does that make the MXPX? <laughs> and I, that, that's pretty much how, it, you know, I've that's, trained my brain now. To that's, like, how you, that's how you know you're really deep into it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I just free associate, like just walking down the road and seeing things and like cruising I, down I, I, cruising down chico way and you're <laughs> cruising down the cold streets and uh-huh. I figure out a <laughs> that's a that that's a better stuff. reference for this yeah. album did uh when did you get to meet mike at the show in la yes cool i the, met them I, I went to bull shows okay. and i uh i met them at the very end of the night when they were doing the table the the signing table mm-hmm in the lobby and then I was like and I was like oh I'm gonna have to say I'm MXPX memes it's gonna be so embarrassing and luckily the people who were in front of me were still having their time with like Mike and Yuri and Chris and Tom was kind of at the other end of the table and I'm standing next to him and I'm just kind of like standing there awkwardly like I'm at a party (laughs) and I'm like I'm like okay I'm just gonna do this I turn to Tom and I'm like hey uh you seen that MXPX memes things right (laughs) saying right that's me and I know Tom has seen it Uh because he like because he's like the most on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I felt relatively safe to tell him. And then he was like, hey, everybody. And he immediately turned to the rest of the band. He's like, no, seriously, look over here, guys. Look over here. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. I mean, yeah. that's the reception that you want. Um, well, but also that, that video of Mike apologizing to your wife. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> Sorry about your husband's obsession with with yeah. me and the band. <laughs> that was so great. That was the next night. That was in Hollywood after the okay the uh, Orange County show. So I'd already met them, and he so he knew what I looked like at that point. So that's when, and then we got there like not late, but we ended up at the back of the line to get in. And he comes around the corner, 
because he's going to play for the line, except right. we're around the other corner, so right. we didn't actually get to hear him play, if you've seen any of those videos online. Yeah, I did. And um, so I got my phone out immediately, because I'm like, oh, I just definitely got to film this. And then <laughs> he, he's like, hey, and he recognized me, and That's he cool. uh, shakes my wife's hand and says, sorry for your husband's obsession. It was <laughs> great. It was the, And it was like the best tweet, I've ever, it was the best received tweet I've ever had. <laughs> That's it awesome. Was, yeah, because I because Twitter is only only so much um, interaction with people on Twitter. I think Instagram generally yeah. as like a thing. Yep. I've, I've learned this from these accounts. Is like Instagram, you know, I'll get hundreds of followers and tons of likes, but then you know, a tweet only gets like you know double digits if I'm lucky. Yeah, but that that tweet got a huge response. Yeah, when yeah. we started the pod, like we were recording episodes before we actually launched them, and so we hadn't started our accounts, but like we kept saying you know, follow us on Twitter and hit us up on Twitter. And like, we have, we have like, we have like, we have like 70 something followers on Twitter and we're we're closing in on 300 for, that's really just Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's weird. It's to try and understand the, the kind of people that are, that lean Instagram versus Twitter. It's something that I'm, uh, as a, young, uh, social media podcast, you know, I don't understand, but that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) So, um, Daniel, can you, um, share with us your first MXPX experience or to, to bite from our mutual love for Scott and Scott of you talking you to me? On Are You Talking to Ari Me? When did you first hear of MXPX? <laughs> that is an excellent question, and I would like to answer that by explaining that. Um, you know, this the, my MXPX first experience, I'm finding out just from these accounts, and not just and from, from maybe someone said this. In, wait, you've only had one guest. I'm totally flummoxing myself here. Okay, I've heard this from multiple... Oh, it was Rich's podcast. Okay. So the Poconaccia podcast, Yeah. like, I'm finding out that tons of people have had this exact same um, experience where it was basically, like, my parents didn't want me listening to so much yep. curse, cursing music. Right. And my parents weren't actually... So we were raised in a Christian household, household but my Don't parents Don't play the new record like, for him. I know. <laughs> Well, this, explicit. Uh, <laughs> um, my parents weren't like super strict when it came to media. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't even like we were really sort of I don't know what you'd call it, but we were like Christmas Easter Christians. Yeah, well, we went every Sunday, but it just okay. wasn't like an it wasn't like the absolute theme of our lives. Mm-hmm. That actually happened later in my parents' lives. <laughs> that happened like around the two thousands and stuff like that. Mm. But my mom still didn't like me listening to so much swearing music. and But she didn't take my CDs away. The only CDs she ever took away from me were Adam Sandler's They're All Gonna Laugh at You. Nice. And, and I should, that one should, I should have said that one second because the other one was Nine Inch Nails' Broken EP. Mm. So those are the only two she ever took away from me. Man. Uh, and then she was like, okay, I'm going to take you to the Christian bookstore. And they have music that sounds exactly like the music you want. <laughs> you just got to talk to the lady there. And she'll she'll guide you towards it, and she, and the lady she, at the Christian to, bookstore, huge MXPX. Fan. She had a big mohawk, right? Well, yeah. She definitely no, she wasn't did. wearing a denim skirt, right? 
No, she was not. She was like a grandma. She was like gray hair. I mean, I remember her as a grandma, but I was like, what, 12 or something? Yeah, right. So she was probably I like 41. <laughs> exactly. Mike's age. I imagine Ooh, shit. A, yeah, you know, like people just age so much slower now. So she could have been 40 and she could have looked like a grandma back then. I don't you know. <laughs> Um, but she actually called them mix picks. I was oh like, oh, I want to look into this. I want to look into this band. She's like, oh, mix picks. Okay. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I don't think we left that day with teenage politics, but I think we left with, um, uh, the, I'm your biggest fan comp. Cause okay. I think we went to the Christian bookstore and it was really close to our house. So we could go back anytime. And she was like, oh, if you're not sure what bands you want, you should buy this. And she hands me that I'm your biggest fan comp, which is sort mm-hmm. of like the, the proto version of Songs from the Penalty right. Box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the gimmick was that, like, you are actually supposed to write fan letters to the bands because they put their addresses in, in the liner notes for the whole comp. And I never did write to anybody. But um, what was oh, – I don't remember what was on. Oh, darn, I'm, looking at, I'm looking it up right now to see if okay. I can – yeah, that, that cover – that cover looks super, super familiar. Yeah. Um, and the Cooties have a really rare song on that that's not on the album called Too Late. That's an amazing song, but I don't know why it wasn't on the album. And as far as I know, that was never printed anywhere else. And it's Lifetime only on Enlightenment by MXPX, there you go, which yeah. is the, the intro song to our podcast. That's right, yeah. Yeah, there, there are some... There are... Blaster the Rocket Boy, special guest. These are shorthanded. These are these are some like deep cut, tooth and nail. I mean, of course they got some Goaty Hook. I was, I was a huge Goaty Hook fan. Got some Crux on there. Yeah. yeah, this is so you. That was the the first, the first album you went home with. So yeah. would Lifetime Enlightenment have been the your very first intro introduction to MXPX? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, All one minute and seven seconds of I it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, I don't know if the song itself said this, you, this is the, I don't think it was the song itself. I think it was also one of those Diamante, like, uh, uh, you know, comparison charts. That Did that come that, with the album? No, it wasn't in the album, but they gave me one on my oh, way out yes. the door at the Christian bookstore. So I remember, and it said Green Day. And here's the thing. Like, yes. Another, do you can, do you still have that first? <laughs> no, I don't uh, have that. I really, I I'm so desperately wanting to get a hold of a physical copy of the Diamante uh, comparison chart. Yeah, because I, I, John and I both had it. I don't know what happened to it, but I yeah. I believe I kept it in my wallet for a period of time. <laughs> I think I did have one on me for a little while as well. Because I, I also had a piece of paper for buying all my records, like, because yeah, I'd go to a record store and whether it was Christian or not, you know, pop punk records that I wouldn't necessarily bring to mind. I didn't have a phone in my pocket to remind me, no uh, Discogs list sure. to remind me what am I looking for. So I had like a, I had that in my pocket for a while and I had my piece of paper reminding me what do I want, what do I want to buy at the record store and yeah, I don't. I think they were around for a while because I remember one at least as late as the early 2000s, like 2002, they were still printing them. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we talked with Jason a little bit about it on, on that pod, but yeah, I don't remember where we ended oh, up. Oh, that's right. That. You had two guests. I'm your third guest. Okay. Mm-hmm. I forgot. About it. Yeah. yeah. It's a big not, deal. Not, not to say we're not, we don't rank 
we don't rank any of the guests <laughs> of importance. Um, you're, let's be honest, in terms of MXPX fame, you're a huge get. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have the I'm Your Biggest Fan mix. Um, th- did you? What was the MXPX album that you ultimately went back to purchase? What was your first MXPX album? It was uh, Teenage Politics because Damn I right. actually, yeah, because, I, I mean, uh, I don't remember what it is right now. I'd have to Google it again, but whatever the release date is for Life in General, I bought my copy of Teenage, or my mom bought me my copy of Teenage Politics that month because it was just this perfect situation where I realized I want to check out MXPX because it says they sound like Green Day and I like the <laughs> song in this comp. And which they never sounded like Green Day. No, of course I mean, not. It's 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 the most absurd thing in the world. It's just the it's just like this is the thing that's making children fall is Green Day. So we need to find the version that's gonna <laughs> keep right. them close to God or whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So I went back and got Teenage Politics, and then like less than a month later, I went back by myself, and I think I might have spent my own money to get. Uh, Life in general. Uh, life in general, yeah. And then I pr- figured out pretty soon that MXPX was also at the regular record store. So I was, you know, I didn't just have to go to the Christian bookstore for that stuff. My, I lived in Burlington, Massachusetts, and in the 90s, we had like no, it was, it was, it's a relatively small town. It's like a medium-sized town with a mall, but we had no less than like eight record stores in the 90s, and it was amazing. And I could ride my bike to almost all of them. It was pretty amazing. Such a great life. I bought a bunch of my Christian records at a Christian bookstore, but as I had stated in previous pods, my first MXPX album was purchased at a Best Buy. So it it like wasn't. I don't think I ever operated under under the assumption that I could only get them at at a Christian bookstore. But right. so that would have been. 96 then because that 96 late 96 was when life in general came out so you would have snagged both of uh both teenage politics and life in general in in 96 so from that point forward was it a a love affair an immediate connection with the band yeah for sure it was like because Looking back in my life, MXPX was more than just like my favorite punk band, or uh, and I've had multiple favorite bands. Like throughout my whole life, like, MXPX might just be one of my favorite bands, but I realized that they're probably the most important. They're one of this. They're they're one of the two most important bands in my life in terms of in terms of traje- trajectory mm-hmm. of uh, of my like musical taste. The first would be They Might Be Giants. Oh, interesting. <laughs> They were the first band that showed me that there's like, you know, legitimate music that's not just, uh, you know, Disney tapes or, uh, you know, like soundtracks to things. There's actual rock bands that actually, you know, that tour on the road and stuff like because my parents, even though they didn't have a problem with uh, me getting secular music, you know, later on, they did block MTV from our house. So I actually (laughs) didn't have a lot of pop music in my life for a certain amount of time and then they might be giants was the first one was and uh was tiny tunes your entry point yes. to them <laughs> me too <laughs> it absolutely was <laughs> <laughs> so good you know and and they might be giants is an example of music and a band that 
injected fun and humor yeah. and levity into yeah. their music. And especially at a time in the 90s when there was a lot of... And we'll get into the sort of the negativity and cynicism of panic. But, I mean, that was pretty rampant throughout the 90s as well. So, but to have something like They Might Be Giants, which was just fun and just the even just like the the vocals were you know i um one of my karaoke go-tos is birdhouse in your soul mm, so good it's it's that is a solid jam and i defy anybody to tell me otherwise no i, well, I won't <laughs> have you seen you know the Tonight Show footage when they performed that live with the Johnny Carson band? Have you seen that? No. It is amazing. That you go good when we're done, you have to go to YouTube. Yeah. And check that out because it's it's incredible. And they like um, I don't remember I don't know the name of the band leader for the Johnny Carson show, but he like kind of rearranged the song just a little bit for the horn section, and it's it's like the greatest thing. And it's super. They actually played it way faster. In the documentary, in the gigantic documentary, okay, they talk about it, and maybe in the special features, they talk about that night and how they accidentally counted it in too fast. So they're playing it like <laughs> you know, it, like a just a little too fast, and but it's amazing. It, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Doc Severinsen, FYI. So oh, there, yes, that's right. Doc so okay, let's. This is a sort of going backwards a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, you you we talked about sort of our our entry point you said your entry point to they might be giants was tiny tunes i think mine actually might have been um weird al because he did a style parody of they might be giants on bad hair day with everything you know was wrong mm-hmm. so that that was done in the style of an of they might be giants song and and I think probably, I don't I don't remember when I first was like legitimately introduced to They Might Be Giants, but that I think that style of music is so distinct. They Might Be Giants mm-hmm. that it's it's pretty now when you listen to that that uh, that song by Weird Al, you're like, oh, obviously, yeah. it's and, the the saxophone section in the middle that really nails it home like if they took that out maybe you'd be like this is sort of they might be giants but once that gets to that 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 uh bridge what would it be a solo a bridge yeah uh, yeah Yeah. so uh, it's it's no it's we don't we're not very shy on magnified pod that we we carry a torch pretty hard for for weird al Mm -hmm. but so it 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 it's it really uh, warms the cockles of my heart to know that you're like referencing a an Al original song with the bridge, and you're like, "Oh, this is clearly the." I love it. That well, there's another Al original on that album that ties into the MXPX album we're talking about today. Ooh, oh. unless I'm mistaken. Which both, which? Both these albums have songs about calling in sick, right? That is true. Mm. Yeah, that is true. Weird Al I, does I, have. Yeah, he's yeah calling in sick today. Ain't That's going right. to work no way. Yeah. 
That is, that I, is. As I was saying it, I'm like, this isn't on Poodle Hat, right? Like, I'm not. Nope. No, this, you're, <laughs> you're 100% right. It is on Bad Hair Day. Yeah. Um, uh, so, <laughs> keep going. Uh, so, real, so just while we're thinking about, like, I'm thinking about 90s and, and Weird Al and Bad Hair Day, the thing about MXPX is, like, I was already pretty well into, like, grunge music. So, we finally got MTV in our house when they switched out our cable box and my parents like we were old enough and my parents were also too lazy to like call the cable company and have them re block MTV. Mm-hmm. Cause I guess back then it was like a literal blocking in the cable box, not just a phone, not just a, uh, not just a, a switch on the cable company's end. Mm-hmm. So I finally get MTV and I'm like, I'm getting into Nirvana. I'm getting into like the toadies and silver chair mm-hmm. and like all these grunge bands. And I liked it pretty well. But I always kind of had a feeling like, you know, there was something lacking. Like it wasn't, it was the greatest thing I'd ever heard at that point. But then when I discovered MXPX, that's how I found out that like punk music was actually like a living, breathing scene that still existed. Hmm. Like I, because of MTV and because of grunge music, I was under the impression that punk music was a thing that had existed at one point and then got folded into other sounds Mm -hmm. and that there might be a green day and a rancid and stuff like that and bad religion hadn't had uh the gray race at that point i thought that those were sort of like either not their sound was sort of a novelty or they were bands that had existed you know for a while like bad religion so i didn't think that there was you know you know hundreds of new pop punk bands in the world i didn't know that you know Warp Tour was just starting to happen around sure. that time. So it was MXPX that actually opened that door for me that I discovered, you know, from the liner notes, all the bands they sang and stuff like that. Right. And then, uh, Blink 187. You know, <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, yeah, because then MXPX leads me directly into Blink 182, which is also like, uh, like Oop. an obsession in my life. <laughs> Blink 187. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm okay. familiar with them. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So if my mom's plan, to get me away from cursing music yeah. actually just led me into a different uh like version of cursing music right <laughs> you might say the whole enterprise of the christian bookstore uh alternate universe was a folly to begin with but yeah uh, anyway <laughs> so I, little little did your mom know that mike was subversive as hell and he was like slipping in all these and they were and they would eventually go on tour with Blink and Bad Religion and all of these right. bands that your mom was like, no. <laughs> so Just to defend my mom, she was, like I said, she wasn't the most strict with media. Like we sure. were allowed a certain amount of, uh, oh. of freedom that a lot yeah. of kids I hear, you know, a lot of people my age who, when they were kids, they weren't. So no, and I was kind of, yeah. No, not, we're not, we're not busting, no, no, bus tossing Mrs. Leary over here. But, you know, like my parents by no means were like, you're not allowed to listen to this music, but I I took it upon myself yeah. to, to self-select like what was more Christian to listen to. So yeah, it's, I had a period where I did that as well. Uh, isn't it so? Isn't it so sad to think <laughs> like I I volunteer voluntarily gave up Operation Ivy and and Su- the Suicide Machines and all of these bands that it was like it's it's. It's it still breaks my heart to think about, you know, high school Andrew trying to like be a better Christian by right. sacrificing these amazing influential punk bands. Yeah. I mean I I my thing that happened with that was like I sold off all my previous MTV grunge CDs 
And I did that for, and I, and I would be lying if I didn't say I did that for God, right? <laughs> like I was like, God wants me to get rid of these CDs. But really it was like a, it was a bit of a, a, a sham because really those CDs I had run out of interest in and it was, and I didn't get rid of any of my like epitaph or fat rec CDs. Mm-hmm. Like because I did, I did because fat records and epitaph were not releasing garbage. They were right. releasing some of the best punk rock in the nineties. Right. I, I think I did get rid of like a no effects CD or something. Cause I'm like, this is too, you know, this is too much of an affront. <laughs> but then I just got all those back, but I didn't bother going back and getting a lot of my early free, free MXPX music. Well, good thing. Good thing. Um, fat Mike has really cleaned up his act since then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> he's, was, like, he's a, he's a model citizen now telling my buddy in high school, like how good heavy petting zoo was. And he was just like, I just can't like the cover. Just, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, couldn't get I didn't buy it. that one because of the cover. Like, I mean, I don't even, Good record, Eventually, <laughs> Napster came out, so I'm like, okay, good. I can. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can, That's how I'll get this record. I don't think I. I don't think I knew what heavy petting was, so I don't think that. Uh, that, that so sheltered. Right we oh were. We were so sheltered. <laughs> Quick sidebar. Yes. Talking about my mom and not being too sheltered, but a little bit sheltered. My mom knew I was getting. Then we'll touch on this if I talk about what I was doing in 2005. But my mom knew I wanted to be like a like in film, a filmmaker someday. Hmm. And this is like 1994, 1995 when I'm starting to get that aspiration. And she's like, "Oh, we should watch more movies, and I'll hell, you know, I'll rent, we'll rent them and stuff." And and it's like, "Oh, well, let's get this this movie that apparently a guy shot all by himself. Like this is something maybe you could do someday. You know, shoot your own movie, Clerks. You know, with your camera." Yep. <laughs> oh my God! Really? Whoops. <laughs> did you watch this? Did you watch Clerks with your mom? No, because, like, it pretty quickly became apparent to my mom that this is not a movie she could watch with me. However, at the time, because it's really all language, it's like they almost got an X rating just for language, right? And all of that went right over my head, like mm-hmm. when they're talking about, you know, snowballing and stuff like that. Well, I'm like, I mean, I have was no it? No idea what he's talking about. I mean, it was it was Clerks where. Where the the mom and her daughter go into the 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 the, yeah. <laughs> the, the adult uh, video store or like the video store and he orders all those. Oh right, yeah. I was just thinking I, about this. I don't this. even think we got to that scene. I think it was earlier <laughs> scenes that that they were already talking about stuff that was so intense, uh-huh. and I it was it was a foreign language to me. Sure. I didn't get it, and my mom was freaked out, so she immediately <laughs> turned it off, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I. And I think I went back and I saw it my, myself from like a friend or something, like maybe less than a year later. And I still didn't pick up on most of the, the sexually explicit talk. Like I just, it, you know, that, that was something I understood later. Um, we were talking about clerks. Maybe, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe we use this moment to skip ahead. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, from sorry, took so many sidebars talking about, right. Yeah. So from from coming in socks to panic. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so Daniel Leary, what was going on with you in 2005? Well, in 2005, like I mentioned, that's when I finally went to film school. Okay. Like I I so I grew up in Massachusetts, and I wanted to go to film school, and I actually took off a, a couple of years in between high school and figuring out where I wanted to go. So I think I'm like pretty much the same age as you guys. I think I'm actually one year older than one of you. I think you okay. mentioned your birthdays last week. 
I'm 35. He's 34. Okay, so I'm 36. Got it. Okay. So I graduated in 2001, and then I took four years off with, like, community college classes and, like, working and, like, trying to figure out where I wanted to go. And, like, um, eventually I figured out there's a film school in Florida. So that's what, in 2005, you know. And, oh, and, and the time in between that was, like, 100% filled with, like, movies and punk shows. Like, that's all I did from, like, 2001 to the summer of 2005 was, like, Sounds familiar. go to punk shows in the New England area, ska shows, tons of ska shows, and, like, go to movies and stuff like that. Okay, so, it was so like, yeah. I don't want to interrupt the flow here, but I just need to know, if you were to choose your top three most doesn't need to be your favorite but the top three movies that you've watched the most as a Um, film student what are the some like the three most important movies or movies that you've watched the most in your life one like i really love uh terry gilliam's brazil Mm -hmm. it's it started to age for me a little bit like it's not as mind expanding as i used to think it was sorry uh (laughs) It really put me on the spot. No, it's it's um, Brazil's pretty good. I feel like you're you're good with that. Something that you just like, you can put it on, and no matter what it is, it doesn't need to be like heady or like or yeah, like some or art ha- or know. art house thing. But like, for me, like Back to the Future will mm-hmm. always be funny and almost the, arguably one of the most perfect movies that. In, in almost every way that can be written. But yeah. it's just so funny and creative and well done. And it's, like, just incredibly tight, and they worked on it. Yep. Like, if you re- if you look into, like, their first drafts and stuff, it wasn't first thought, best thought. It was, like, let's really work on this, and they made it, they made it perfect. Yeah, because uh, at first it was, like, way. it was, like, a, a refrigerator, like, right. not, a, not a DeLorean. Mm-hmm. But, but, so, yeah, that's, like, the way... A craft is done. You hone it, you work on it, you figure it out. And yeah, like I think it's almost quintessentially in my mind, like almost a perfect movie. But yeah. anyway, we don't need to. I think I, I think I feel the same way about uh, Toy Story, about the first two Toy Story movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fan of the third. I, I, I am a fan of the third. I do think it's just like, it's, it's like a little, it's so heavy handed in the end. Sure. <laughs> That's my only problem. It's amazing. That final scene in the incinerator is yeah, like yeah. it's it's amazing. But then when I step away from it, I'm like that was just you know. There's definitely something they were they they wrote it. You know, it's it's almost written perfectly, but it's almost written too perfectly. It's mm-hmm. like it's like it's just so heavy-handed in the message of you know, facing yeah, yeah. your own death. It's like that's not you know. There's enough of that in Toy Story too, where it's like you know eventually Andy will you be tired of you and stuff. And it's like it's good. It's nice to see that actually happen. Like Andy does get tired of them. But it's just like so, so, so heavy. It's like the Lars von Trier Pixar movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back, yeah. back to two thousand five. Yes. Um, you were film school. Yeah. Um, where were you with that? Where were you with music at that point? Uh, and see, this is so. This is the thing: is like I spent all my years between high school and film school constantly obsessed with music and movies but then when i went to film school i pretty much didn't drop music but i i let that take a back seat and i didn't i went to a couple shows in florida but i was like 
you know, just having moved, moved states, I automatically kind of didn't have my finger on the pulse of, you know, what places to go to and what bands to check out, what, like, local bands. Like, I had favorite local bands back home, but I didn't have that any longer in, in, uh, in Florida. And I kind of, you know, like, some of my favorite bands came through and I would check them out, but I had limited funds at that point. So I just let music sort of fall to the back seat, and I focused totally on movies. And by the time I graduated, you know, and music remained, like I still had my CDs and I, st- and I eventually got an iPod and all that. But I pretty much just like, at that point, I solidified, like going to f- college, going to film school, pretty much just that was like the point that I think a lot of people reach where it's like, you know, you've got all the music you need. And maybe you get past that, but I think this happens for a lot of people. It's like, mm-hmm. I've learned all these bands, I've learned all this music, I have all these songs and records, and now I can kind of stop here and not really look for new bands and look mm-hmm. for new records and not necessarily follow up on bands I already love, but just sort of let the nostalgia start to grow and start to only enjoy what you've had experiences with in the past. And that's the point that I got to with music. So with MXPX, even though they were such an incredibly important band to me and they were one of if not my most favorite at that point i like i lost track of them like i spent years and years like constantly looking at the website and reading interviews and figuring out what the band was up to and mm-hmm. buying records the day they came out but i you know panic came out right when i started college so i was really focused on that so i didn't even know panic came out for a couple of years after it came out so that's sort of you know and now like 10 years on, having graduated, I'm starting to, actually, it's moving to California. I moved to California in 2014, and that sort of reignited my passion for music, and having it sort of be equal to film is like, now I'm like, I'm checking out new bands that are in Los Angeles. I'm seeing all these bands from from like Tooth and Nail and like Christian pop punk bands that broke up before I ever got to see them, Mm -hmm. and uh you know, like I never got to see Dogwood, but now I've seen them twice here since they reunited. Wow. Uh, who else have seen all? And a lot of these bands only have come back together because of MXPX. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I mean, you were at the Slick Shoes show. Right. I've seen, I, th- I think I've seen Slick Shoes two or three times now. I've definitely seen them twice. They were, they opened for MXPX on this last, one of these last LA shows. And what? then they played for, the, then they played for them at the live album recording at the left coast live album we're so. pushing for that uh 90 pound wuss reunion i know right <laughs> that i mean that would that be that was my second that was my second tooth and nail record mm, yeah. that's what i went back and got after or my third it w- i don't know if it was between maybe i got teenage politics and the n- 90 pound wuss record at the same time or maybe i got it after life in general but it was those three that were my first ones yeah, I I somehow came by that kick you hard seven inch record at some point. I don't know. I to this day I have no idea how I have it in my possession, but for for some reason I do because I I didn't even own the A record player. No, I didn't. <laughs> when I when I owned it, I didn't even own the any other ninety pound wuss records or like albums, but yeah. I had the that kick you hard record. Um, so so when Panic came out, it it sort of 
just sort of passed you by. Yeah. And so then, when, when did yeah. when did it when did you come to it? Then when did you first when did you first hear it? I, well, I think I definitely heard it a little bit here and there in those couple of years in between. Um, you know, going to college and going to see the the second Left Coast Live show, I definitely heard some of those songs, and I probably downloaded the MP3s. But I don't I don't know if I even bought a copy until later. Um, oh, but it was really like doing MXPX memes where I deep dived into the album. Sure. So I can't really say where did I finally listen to Panic. I uh, like again, Secret Weapon can also almost pass me by, right? Like I don't think I bought that. I de- I remember where I bought that. That had been out for a year or two, maybe 2011. I bought that, and uh, I so then maybe I, I bought Panic around the same time but I just didn't really play them that much. And it's nothing against MXPX because now I know for, it's almost like you love somebody passionately and then like they leave your life for a little bit and mm-hmm. then eventually you come back, you know, it's like a, it's almost like a, the notebook. <laughs> My relationship with MXPX is like the notebook. Mm-hmm. I just hope I'm not the one who, you know, ends up in the hospital and can't remember anything. I'm picturing a meme in my head here. Uh, <laughs> so. Of, of you, on, yeah. you laying in bed with <laughs> the superimposed face of Mike. I imagined like the wet, uh, rainy holding up in the air <laughs> of the poking at your punk head. <laughs> yes, uh, you're welcome for that idea, Daniel, and please do it. Okay, I'm adding it to my list right now. <laughs> do you do you have a meme list? I do, because <sighs> I get so many ideas now that. And some of them I can do quickly on my phone. I can use, like, the Image Flip website and some, you know, I can use, like, I sometimes I make memes in Twitter or I make memes in Instagram stories. But other ones, like, I want to give proper attention to. So I need to do that on Photoshop. So I need to carve out some time in my life to sit down at my computer. Mm-hmm. And that's not as easy. So, um, and, 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 you know, make these things. So I have a list of memes. And I have, like, you know, a number of them done and ready to go. Like I have more, like if I stopped trying to make memes, I would probably last, you know, another couple of months just off of stuff. Oh, and I have not even called out Rich Nelson up to this point, the host of the Poconacci podcast. Like he mm-hmm. just sends me stuff all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Like he was already also kind of into memes and making MXPX related content and stuff. And he used to be the fan club president, right. you know, before, uh, PX Chris was right. So it's like he, so he has all this information about the band and stuff. And he has like pictures of them and stuff. And he, you know, that he took at the time and he was making memes. And now it's pretty much like, it's basically 50. My account is 50% riches at this point. And he kind of imposed himself on it, which I'm totally cool with. Cause he just started sending me ideas and sending me more ideas. Mm-hmm. And then we have like a DM going where we're discussing ideas and stuff. So that's funny. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of Rich Nelson and Panic, I mean, he's he's in the liner notes for this album, mm. um, which I I didn't notice until right before we started yeah, re- yeah. recording this podcast. I was looking through the liner notes. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> Rich Nelson, MXPX fan club. So yeah, that's that's bananas. Um, yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I knew that he was had some sort of connection with the band, but this is, this is part of the MXPX community. You know, you, yeah, 
computer. I, um, Everybody's connected he, some some random way, it seems. Yeah. When he started popping up in my life on Instagram, sending me messages and stuff, I was like, this guy knows the band somehow, right? Like, mm-hmm. he was sending me – he didn't tell me who he was, and I didn't know who he was because I, was, I wasn't even in the fan club until last year. Like, I never, I never knew – I mean, even going back to when I was a huge MXPX fan, I didn't know there was a fan club. Me neither. That was not something I was aware of. Um, And I guess, yeah, uh, like, I didn't know about it. (laughs) And I feel bad because, like, because now, because then other, like, super fans who the band knows personally would pop in before I was kind of, now I'm kind of known, now people kind of know who I am. But before that was the case, like, people would DM me and be like, you're like, who is this? Like, they expected it to be someone from, like, they either expected me to be rich or they expected me to be somebody, you know, from the message boards back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't really do any of that stuff. So I'm always letting them down. I'm like, I'm just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Social media has become the great uh, leveler where yeah. you no, know, we're all just <laughs> able to do it. Um, I think I had a really similar experience uh, with panic in that I did not know these last three records before the new one really at all until we started doing the podcast and panic is now like easily in my top five mxpx records so i i mean do you want to get into maybe your top three songs from the record uh stuff that you like the most i just realized i hadn't put that that list together (laughs) well it doesn't have to be that literal if you don't want but um i yeah i i so the thing is like yeah i i never really did it proper dive into panic seeker weapon or uh plans within plans mm-hmm. i actually for some reason just because it was on the cover two and maybe it was like a nostalgic thing when that came out mm-hmm. i had that like the day it came out like okay you know i was listening to that all the time but for some reason like their actual proper original songs i wasn't listening to for you know really listening to for 10 years and even when i went to left coast live and they played songs that you know, were from these albums. Like I knew the songs a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, they weren't really like a hundred percent clicking. But so to me, they were kind of new songs, but kind of not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just in that kind of weird gray area. So now going back and just trying to make memes and like, being thinking like, I need to know every song really well. And that's part of the reason why I picked MXPX. Cause I was like, I don't really have any total blind spots with them. It's like, if I pick some other bands, like if I pick, they might be giants. Like, there was a point where I knew a hundred to do to do memes for. There was a point where I knew a hundred percent of their music. Mm-hmm. Now I probably know like eighty percent of their music. So there's certain albums I'd kind of have to start from square one and like really listen to 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 figure out you know how will I get this in my head and have it ready in my mind. But really, it was just these three albums I had to like suddenly cram right. So and then I realized Panic is like one of basically my probably my favorite album. Mm-hmm. I, I'm against the idea of really ranking. Sure. The you know the ten main albums, but I kind of put them in chunks. Like I take a, a chunk of three albums and say, these are my three favorite albums, and another chunk of three albums and say these are my second favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and Panic is probably in that first three. Yeah, because you just um, you pretty much bust tossed the entire concept of our uh, <laughs> of our podcast today because you were like know, talking about. You know, you had that Michael Jordan meme about, oh, right. <laughs> you know, when someone tries to tell me their least favorite MXPX album. I was I was afraid you'd think that because it's so funny when you guys started your podcast. I wasn't well, you, I mean, it's also because, it's also because our most recent podcast 
is <laughs> one of your least favorites. Is, is my, is, I mean, we will get to at some point, because if we're ranking, if we're talking about our favorite songs, inevitably we're going to come up on, you know, our favorite albums. And, I, you know, they're, as much as I would like to it be generous and say every MXPX album has its, you know, strong points and it there, I mean, that's, that would just be a lie because there are albums that I absolutely favor and that are in my bones and in my blood and in my soul that I just, I, they're just, yeah, it's, yeah, they are. No, my... I totally get it. I, I It's so funny and I feel bad and I've actually apologized about this before, but when you guys started and you were a little bit more critical of Coconacha <laughs> than I felt like I was, like, I know that there's technical issues with that album, but those are the things I love about that album. Yeah. Right. And I know that it is, there's too many songs and there are songs that I couldn't, I like JJ's song. I have that title in my head, but I could not hum that song right now to save my life. Okay. (laughs) So can I, so our very first episode, we talked about how that album is too long and I feel totally vindicated because on, (laughs) on Mike's most recent podcast, he said, and I quote, most of our albums are too long. (laughs) And I was like, cosign. Yeah, he did. And he was and, thinking about you guys when he said that. He about <laughs> of course. He I mean, these. when are we not at the forefront of Mike's mind? But <laughs> it's and and so I think that goes directly to maybe why their al- their new album is only 31 minutes and 11 songs right. and it just it's sweet. It's that sweet spot. And yeah. yes, I made that meme of like, please, sir, may I have some more? Because, yes, the, the album was so concise and to the point right. and tight and that we're like, oh, man, I would have loved another two or three songs. But then you run the risk of like, uh, maybe the other two or three songs that were demos that they did record. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said on his podcast that they had some ballads that they cut. Right. I'm and so he, grateful and for he, that. Oh my God. I'm so glad hearing that they had ballads that they cut. I'm so glad that that by all means release, release them as digital downloads or B sides or whatever. Fine. But I'm um, so glad that they're not on that album. But again, um, I, so I need to bring this up speaking of before everything and after. Mm-hmm. So, just yesterday on the official MXPX page on Instagram, they posted that video of Mike playing Quit Your Life mm. as a couple got engaged. Right. And um, for those who listened to our Before Everything and After episode, I v- uh, very much made it clear that that song is my least favorite track <laughs> in the MXPX discography. I was not shy about that. However, um, hearing that song, nothing but the acoustic guitar, 
no other backing, vocals, instruments, piano, for Christ's sake. Um, (laughs) Just the guitar stripped down to its studs, its most bare elements. I have to admit, it's not as bad as I think it is as it is on before everything and after you backtrack and sell out. Come on. You hate that. (laughs) No, it's I, it, it honestly threw me for a loop when I heard, when I heard it just being played on acoustic on the street, because before John and I recorded, started recording the segment, I played, he hadn't seen the video yet. I played it for him. And then I played the album version and it's like up an octave on the album. Wow. It's I think a little he's, too high for him. Maybe he's playing. Mike is like playing it. It's like a lower. It's like a different key when he's playing it on the street. Right. And it might be just because he's you know maybe he sings in a lower key now. Maybe just right. ten but years, fifteen but, years later. But there's no. Yeah, it's, I mean it's fifteen years is a solid chunk of time, but not hearing the piano or the production, it just. It's this is a weird thing for me to admit, but it like it struck me in a way. But I think this is also coupled with the backstory that you gave with it. Mm-hmm. And for maybe those who don't know, why don't you share what you know about the backstory about the 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 meaning of quit your life? Well, so this I, I, I've I've shared this. I just want to say like this wasn't mentioned by Mike in any interview that I've seen, but this is like a thing that I've seen in a lot of like as I search like forums and as specifically hearing people talk about when, uh, when, when they moved back to Waco. Right. Right. That this is something I actually heard coming up a lot is that, um, is that quit your life? Like sort of the subtext of it is the idea of Holly Herrera marrying Mike and literally quitting her life as it was in Texas and moving to Bremerton with him which is also like a prophecy filled for move to Bremerton because he met a special girl who lives somewhere else in the world. Like it's like quit your life is almost like a, it's almost like the, the, the third act to the move to Bremerton uh, musical play or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, or if you want to, if you want to start off with one ad, move to Bremerton, yeah. <laughs> quit your life. And then, you know, maybe, Colin sick is a little bit of a continuation, perhaps <laughs> on a smaller scale. No, I was I was gonna say something like uh, moments might be the right. yeah, yeah, yeah. the end of of that whole that whole sequence of songs. Yeah, but and yeah, that quit your life is just singing about you know he's singing about what sounds like you know reasonably innocuous things like hey just quit your you know call it you know he's call it sick with the, that's a different song but you know what I mean like yeah. he's saying just like. Uh, just stay home today. But really he might've been, it seems very much the possibility that he was really saying along with don't walk away. Those two songs are kind of like, I love that you two song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing is like, they might both be, I mean, don't walk away is definitely about Holly because that's what he specifically says in the fixer upper episode. And that's, Mm. they make that board to, and they put it up in their house, their new house in Waco with all the lyrics on it and stuff. Oh, right. So I think like a lot of that album is specifically about Holly. And so that, those two songs, 
are sort of about that. And and the other thing is like we touched on this talking about going to film school. Like I went to I left Massachusetts. I go to Florida, and that's where my wife is from. So and you guys were talking about last on your one of your last podcasts about when you met your wives. It's like that's I met my wife in film school in Florida in a school that had like a ratio of like. 75 guys to one girl yeah. like it was a, it was a testosterone school that's rough bro <laughs> i know and i got what I, and, and and i ended up falling in love with and marrying it was like meant completely meant to be and we're like we're like literally soulmates and and i met her at this this school and then you know i basically quit my original life to stay with her and she's originally oh, from florida we moved yes. to new york together to try to break into film and then we moved all around the country with like other family trying to get on her feet eventually you know, save up enough money to get to LA. So that's what we did. So like, I'm sort of the Holly in that, <laughs> so in, now, the, in the and, quit your life situation. And now you guys are the Kings of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Holly got to move back to her family in Waco. So maybe yeah. someday when I have enough money, I can have a house in LA and a house back in Boston. Yes. So <laughs> do you mind, uh, sharing your wife's name? I'm curious. Oh, uh, Jessica, Jessica. And she's kind of known now too. She's <laughs> everyone keeps, all, all, all of my meme fans eventually figure out who she is and they start following her and she's like more of your MXPX people are following you and I can't disappoint them because she she's like more into music now because of me like she had some pop punk and ska uh, bands that she liked but she didn't like she didn't follow music as a scene as a thing at all mm-hmm. until she met me like you had some CDs you liked like she liked the, she randomly liked the insiders and she liked like Simple Plan and Good Charlotte and Relying K and stuff like that. But then it was, you know, and then she meet, met me and I'm like, no, you, you can actually follow their tours. You can look online and you can figure out all the stuff they're working on. You can f- find smaller bands that are influenced by them. And so now she, from the last 10 years of us being together, now she's more into music than ever before. And she finds bands that she tells me about and stuff like that. That's cool. So, yeah. But so, anyway, yeah. So that, yeah, that video was amazing. That that uh, marriage proposal i yeah. literally gasped because i didn't know what was happening i said i was just like here's a cute video of mike busking yeah right <laughs> and then the guy got down on his knees and i was like oh. <laughs> i had no idea it was coming yeah yeah i it i just think these last 24 hours with me in that song like it's sort of i just i think i just need to reevaluate uh how where your whole life i need to well, to, to to be on your side of it, right? To 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 one one thing I was gonna say was when you guys started podcasting, you were kind of critical of of Poconaccia in ways that I personally like. The things you criticize about that album are the things that I think it's great for. Mm-hmm. But when you criticized before everything and after, I was I was like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, there's nothing particular about before everything and after that I feel like I need to defend. And right. sometimes I, and I kind of backed myself into a corner of being an mxpx white knight like i don't criticize the band a lot there are things i'll just say it my least favorite album is secret weapon right Mm -hmm. but like i'll tell you guys that i'll say it on the podcast people can hear it but i don't make memes about not liking secret weapon because to me personally like people are going to love secret weapon it's going to be their favorite album and they're going to see my meme where i'm saying secret weapon sucks and there are songs on that album i love but it's just that you know i'm not going to make that fact that i don't like that album a punchline because it's right. gonna upset people so my online persona is like that i'm a white knight for them like i don't criticize them just because no one wants to hear a funny mxpx memes account 
say, you know, what they don't like. But right. try not to be, yeah. So and and for our podcast, where you where you start off when we're trying to look at the discography in a measured way where yep. we're not trying to put on rose colored glasses and just say every song is great. And, mm-hmm. and because of course, like Mike wouldn't say that. Right. Um, and he doesn't. And he, and he <laughs> like doesn't. Every, al- every album, every, his favorite album is always seems to be the most recent one. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But you know, we're, we're trying to, be be honest that dis- even if I'm I said this on the before everything and after episode that if you look at the 10 albums the 10 proper full length albums that they put out for me like even if you like if I say before everything after is a dud that's still 9 out of 10 albums that I that you think like these are you can make arguments for this being a, a solid album, and I think for to even even if you even if you make an argument that Secret Weapon isn't super strong, even there aren't many bands that have that kind of a discography where you can right. say that this album is solid. This album is just as solid mm-hmm. because I I can make that argument for most mxpx albums right and which is the case for panic i i think this is an exceptionally strong strong record and coming off before everything and after it's such a (laughs) sigh of relief to um so but i want to get into some of your songs like what what songs what are your top three on this album? And I, and I know it's, um, you know, it's for me, this is difficult. It's hard for this album, but it's, it's, it's easy. It's crazy because it's like this, it's easier even for like life in general and slowly going the way of the Buffalo are like perfect albums, but I can kind of easily pick three songs from that. And I don't know. It's like, but it's really Oh man, <laughs> sorry. I'm just looking at the back of the CD right now, trying to figure it out, and I'm not trying to fanboy out. And I'm like, oh, I can't do it, but I could do it. So I guess I'll just say like one thing. I as I'm trying to work towards what my three favorite songs are, one thing that I love about this album is that the first three songs on Panic mm-hmm. are all in and of themselves a great album openers. Yes. Darkest Places, Young and Depressed, Heard That Sound. They all could have opened this album. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of amazing. Can I, so can I say that, and this is, you know, the, the Darkest Places starts off with some bitchin' drums. Mm-hmm. And which, again, to go back to, to not continue to harp on Before Everything and After... The beginning of that album just is a throwaway. And this album starts off with <laughs> rad sounding drums and then oh. into the guitar and it sounds right. rad. And the slide. It, it, the pick slide. slide. Here. So yes. <laughs> it's so good. And they're into the chorus like by 30 seconds. And, you know, none it's a of this. Bit of- 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's just it going from before everything and after to this. It's like, yes, a two minute, 35 second song. It's great. It, it's such a, it's, it's a return to form for an album opener. And we both, John and I both had play it loud on our top three for before everything and after. And if the album started that way, it would have been, it would have been awesome because it, it just messes up the flow of the MXPX discography of album openers but I love this return to form. And it's got a little bit of that. It's got some low-key social justice that you guys love so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> SJW's over here. <laughs> it's not lost on me that this album returns to that stuff. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, this album is also like... So I was analyzing this album a little bit today. And I swear I'll tell you what my three favorite songs are. But I was analyzing <laughs> this album a little bit today. And I was thinking about this in terms of like... There's a tr- sort of a trilogy in my mind. There's a narrative that starts with before everything and after and ends with secret weapon. And it's the, like the, the mainstreaming the, or like the mass marketing of MXPX, mm-hmm. which I don't think it, which if you talk, if you talk about that with other bands, it sounds like a negative, but basically like they get signed to A&M, they have life in general reissued and then they make slowly go in the way of the Buffalo and they make every passing moment. But those are undeniably just MXPX albums. Like, you know, the producers on those albums sort of shaped MXPX into be the, into, you know, help was there to, were there to help them. It feels to me, shape them into their next steps, but before everything and after panic and secret weapon feel to me like they're sort of more like there was someone behind the band, maybe alongside the band, maybe behind them, maybe in front of them telling them what they have to do. I don't know the actual literal, story behind them but when i hear those three albums it sounds like let's take mxpx which exists now and let's make them more appealing for everybody let's like get them the largest audience possible right. and sometimes like the largest audience possible sometimes that means selling your artistic soul and doing stuff you don't want to do i think mxpx for the most part is is like they couldn't really do that you know what i mean like they had to still be mxpx and I, and I think they probably worked with people who maybe understood that. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But before everything and after, particularly, like, it's, it's, got those, it's got those ballads. It's got that production that just kind of feels like we're, you know, we're going to make this album the biggest pop punk album of 2003. And mm-hmm. then, but then Panic, being on one side dummy, not a major, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's almost like they were trying to and and I think Joe Sib I remember him on Mike Rare's podcast talking about how they more or less had the album like done like I don't know how done I don't know if it was just past demoed or just like planned or whatever but they're like hey Joe here's the album that we want you to put out on one side dummy and Joe heard it and he's like yeah, it's not done and then and and they were actually upset at first but then they realized no he's right mm-hmm. so like Joe kind of pushed them and Joe being a punk a real punk guy like boots on the ground like touring and and being in bands like i think and 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 having his finger on the pulse like just you know his label released like the warp tour albums and stuff you know so he kind of knows what bands are are popular you know with kids and stuff so it's like he pushes this album to be everything it could be to you know the 2005 skate punk world and i think they did it exactly as exactly as well as they could have hoped for you know what i mean yeah and then uh and then secret weapon then takes a different step where they kind of go back to tooth and nail 
and it's sort of like their last st a step at sort of that tooth and nail Christian bookstore world. Like, I don't completely understand. I, I've heard little bits and pieces of them talking about that, but it's like, you know, they, they get their publishing back mm -hmm. with going to tooth and nail. So like, why would they not? But it's like, not all their publishing, but a bunch of their publishing. So it's like they, they, they put out Secret Weapon and it has also a certain shimmer on it mm -hmm. of like being very particularly produced to be like the most mass market possible. But it's it's also a sort of a different thing, and for me, it doesn't work. There's I like I love "You're on Fire" and a couple other songs, but uh, yeah, that's the uh, <laughs> and I just kind of ran out of steam. But that's like the that's the idea I have with these three albums. It's, it's sure. like it's like everything else is pure MXPX, and these albums are MXPX plus producer. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, I absolutely get that, especially when you look at the. Uh, production credits on on those particular albums but um so circling back if you were to throw out a top three <laughs> i'm not gonna do, no, i'll do it um it doesn't need you know because it might need to be in order no don't no order probably so okay i'm looking so i'm definitely gonna say Young and Depressed. Okay. Right? So, because, like I said, those three first three songs, like, Young and Depressed could have been the first song. I, lo I, mean, I love it almost as equally as Darkest Places, but Darkest Places is going to have to fall off in this case. Hmm. Then I'm going to say Gray Skies Turn Blue. Okay. Because I, 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 I don't know. Is there something about the keyboard? And Oh, wait, wait. Wait. Is the keyboard in this version, or is the keyboard in yes. this? Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's also, it's also, um, it also kind of feels like, a recycled version of the opposite from the Renaissance yes. EP. And that's, and I kind of like that because, uh, you guys love Renaissance, right? Like, oh, I love Renaissance. I like it, but I don't love it. it, it I think I'm uh, with you. I, I think I'd say I yeah. like it. Don't love it. I love it. And I, I, I really wish they continued with that sound from ever passing moment to, mm -hmm. um, before everything and after, yeah. So, I, uh, I so we know. got I, we got young and depressed. Grace guys turn blue. Grace guys turn blue. And then, I mean, maybe wrecking hotel rooms. Okay, but maybe. But then I'm also thinking because it doesn't exactly sound like a MXPX song, but it sort of sounds like an MXPX song. I really like waiting for the world to end. Okay. It almost sounds like an Arthur, it sounds like an Arthur hmm. MXPX hybrid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're getting and, um, you know, po putting that that post out asking for people's feedback about what they think. We're getting a lot of uh, a lot of Arthur um, comments yeah. for this album. Yeah. I think because like they put out that Arthur EP years, you know, a couple of years before, but then Arthur kind of went away, and eventually they bring it back with the full lengths. And there's also like, uh, which one is it? Is it, uh, darn, which one sounds like, uh, like a proto tumble down on here? Uh, uh, late again. Was, yeah. Late again. That's right. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's almost like, uh, the side projects were kind of like, it, you, I don't even know if tumble down existed yet, even as an no. idea in his head. Um, I think tumble down came in 2008. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like 
you know, maybe that's why Tumble Down was created because maybe he was writing more of these sort of country inspired songs. And you can but take it's it, not even like that. It. It's not even that country. I mean, it has a little bit of a twinge, but like, yeah. I mean, I would argue that Kings of Hollywood. Right. I was going to say that. I mean, is more, is more pop yeah. country than Late Again is. Yeah. I mean, Late Again, like. It, it could all it, like it could almost be reworked into like almost like a rancid song or yeah or, or it's it, it has that sort of like um street punk it's got the like barroom vocals at yeah. the end there yeah. yeah yeah so all right awesome so, so that's my list then young and depressed gray skies turn blue waiting for the world to end but that's a tough yeah for me to figure out no this is this is honestly um honestly if you <laughs> will you. um honestly one of the uh first mxpx albums uh probably since um slowly that i was i had a challenge picking a top three cool well do you have closing panic related thoughts or closing like, thoughts of I mean, any we've kind. Spoken so, we've already spoken so long, but I have written <laughs> notes on like every song. And, I'm like, and now about 45 minutes into this discussion, I was like, oh, we're probably not getting to my notes <laughs> on well, individual songs. I mean, yeah, yeah, 45 plus our previous yeah. maybe 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is, I mean, this is, this is, this is the nature of mm-hmm. being, a, a, doing an MXPX podcast and getting into the weeds because yeah. you can talk at length. And for, I don't have a lot of real MXPX friends, right? Like all my <laughs> MXPX discussions happen in text. Mm-hmm. Sure. So if you get me audio wise talking about MXPX, I probably won't stop talking about them because I sure. have so many things to say, and especially now that I have. I've been like over analyzing songs and over analyzing mm-hmm. periods of the band and stuff. It's like I have all these thoughts in my head. My wife was like, "Why don't you start an MXPX podcast?" And I'm like, "I I guess, but now there's two. Well, yeah, why not a third? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's you know, this is this is this is the whole thing. Like, just do collabs. You know, we can we can all work together. We can all. Work, you know, you you reposted one of my MXPX memes the other day, and oh, yeah. you know, so let's we can all just be a part of the community, like all have ownership over things, and just you know work together to create some content because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. As curators of additional MXPX content, <laughs> we must band together and uh, collaborate yeah, there, in new and exciting ways. Yeah, there. Up until recently, there hasn't been a lot of MXPX related m- additional content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not a lot of MXPX content. 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 Daniel, damn Daniel, um, <laughs> we really appreciate all of the the time. Yeah, man. Uh, no problem. Sorry, I uh, rambled on. Uh, um, no, hey, great. hey, dude, that's what we do. Dude, do you listen to <laughs> yeah. the podcast? We uh, ramble. That's the other thing is you guys got to be the comprehensive encyclopedic. Encyclopedic. That's right. Encyclopedic compendium. We we almost know all three of their names now, so we're getting close. <laughs> yeah, we're so we have we have um, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 
Mark. Travis. Mark. Yeah, Travis. <laughs> Travis uh, and, and, and Yanni. 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 Yeah. yeah. Mark, Travis, and Yanni. <laughs> Pretty sure that's right. Um, so of uh, Mix Picks, <laughs> my favorite band. Yeah. Um, if people do not follow MXPX memes on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, do it now. Very funny stuff. Yes. And also check out my, yes. Oh, so you did say YouTube. I was I, like, yeah. Also I, check out my YouTube. Which yeah. Is, I well, remember. Yeah, you, you, know, you need to stop getting those DMCAs, bro. <laughs> I know. That's the thing is it's, it's U, U, UMD, which, you know, I can't, you know, what can I, I, I can't really do anything. My everything sucks, uh, sped up video. Yeah. yeah. Got blocked worldwide. And I'm oh. like, okay. How is that even play. possible? It's so, it's, <laughs> it's, cl- it's clearly, clearly a transformative element. Of course I, it I, is. And the thing is, like, my take on me video was also, strangely, my take on me, where I just put the MXPX version take on me under the visuals of the actual video. Right. That didn't get blocked for the MXPX song. That got blocked originally by, I think it was also Universal, just for the visuals of the take on me video. Like, they matched the visuals of the take on me video, not the music, and said this video is blocked worldwide. I contested that one. And on fair use grounds, and I won that one. I mm. think that's kind of clear because I'm not using both the video audio and the video of the original right. element. Like I'm clearly transforming into something completely new. Right. Whereas everything sucks. It's literally the video <laughs> just sped up. Yes, it, but so, it's also. I mean, gosh, yeah. it's 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 priceless. It's so good, and I'm glad. I for one, I'm glad that I was able to experience that. Um, because there's actually, there is a song on panic that, um, that I think it was cold streets, um, it, or I think it was cold streets that it was another one of those you songs, or I think, I think it was that one that I thought, oh man, this would be another one of those really funny sped up videos, but I, I don't think they have a music video yeah, for. Yeah, no You so. know how I got the idea for the everything sucks thing was someone did. I mean, I just copied someone else's idea. It was they took Basket Case. Okay. By Green Day, and they sped up every time Billy Joe said it referenced himself. Hmm. So I guess if you look at the lyrics to Basket Case, he's con- he talks about himself, and so every time he said it, it sped up. And then I was like, I want to do that, but with. I, so I wish I could tell you it was my idea, but you know, it existed already with like B movie. Or every time they say B, it speeds up five percent, and eventually the movie's incomprehensible. Like that's, that's the original version of that. <laughs> that's a genius uh, idea. Yeah, and then I re- so that so then I realized that while well, like you know Christian uh, bookstores were saying, hey, MXPX is the Christian version of Green Day. It's more like MXPX is the selfless version of Green Day because Green Day's singing about themselves, but MXPX <laughs> he's singing about you. He's like he's concerned with you being here. That's deep, man. Yeah. <laughs> And a perfect, so that's my closing. A perfect note to end. <laughs> Thanks so much, Daniel, for Daniel taking Leary, the time. Daniel Leary, MXPX memes. Thank you so much, and we will. Uh, and we will see you out in the content. See you yeah. in that uh, the content sphere. All right, I'm gonna go walk my dog. She's All been right. staring at me the whole time. Right. See you, man. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.